So welcome to today's show. We've got Ken Stearns on today, who is an author uh, of Dear God, as well as a podcast host to a show called The Jar. So welcome to the show, Ken. Hey, thanks, Jiron. Thanks for having me. So before we talk about your book and uh, obviously your, your show, if you just want to talk a little bit about your story, because I think it's really interesting of how you went from a corporate role, mm. moving to Asia and obviously into the situation we're in now, which I don't want to give too much away at this point, And I'll let you explain that. So if you want to go into that. Yeah. Sure. I've had a um, it's great pre-chat, great, uh, great meeting you and, and having the conversation. Uh, it's been, been quite fun. And yeah, there was that, you know, that time in my life, I was, uh, I was graduating as a, as an accountant, you know, back in one of those recession days, you know, back in the early, in the eighties, uh, graduating from college and, and ended up in, in California, uh, as an accountant, you know, just a junior kid, young guy starting my career. And, um, you know, along the way I met these, you know, I was doing some basic accounting stuff and I had these sales guys that I was helping out on commissions and expenses. And slowly I started seeing, man, the salespeople, they got, they're living large out there, big bonus checks. They get to go out and have fancy dinners and, and I'm writing all these checks for these people. And I, you know, and I just generally think they're not that much better than me. How come they're living this life and I'm living that life or they're living that life and I'm living this life. Uh, before I knew it, you know, my wife was pregnant. And so what do you do when your wife's three months pregnant? And you got a good job. You quit. You know, you quit. That's what you, <laughs> you quit. You quit your good job with benefits. Take a job with no benefits that you're pro that you know nothing about, uh, which is what I did at 27. Gave up a good salary. And, and you know, then I promptly got fired from that job um, and then fired for my next sales job because it was apparently harder than it looked. Yeah. And, and then accidentally, I took that job of last resort as an insurance agent. It's the last place everybody goes if you're a salesperson yeah. for which most people die. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and somehow I died a few times and, uh, but I lived to tell the tale. I, I made it through that job somehow, but, you know, very lucky and, and maybe just trying and getting luck, you know, keep trying and eventually got a little bit of luck. And, uh, I developed some decent skill sets around a particular kind of process, sales process, and I was searching the internet back in 1999, before there was any real internet. So like dial-up style rather than like broad. Oh, it was mode 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Dial-up side and, you know, watching the page load like this, like line by, literally line by line. Yeah, yeah it was mad. You know, but uh, mad days, mad days. Um, but I was able to get a job in Asia, uh, an insurance job. And they were looking for a particular skill set I had. And moved the family, packed up everything from California like a crazy man, and packed up my wife and kids and whole house, and off we went. It's um, a bold move, though, isn't it? For, to, to move from, you know, uh, if you think about that from the start of that little segment of the story, because I know you talk about three acts yeah. of life, don't you? We'll, we'll come on to that as well. Yes. You've gone from a an accountant role employed, which is probably one of the major five sort of uh fundamental careers isn't it like yeah, solid great job doctors, solid career lawyers you know those sort yes. of roles that are, are, are sort of are valued but a lot of the time many people who go into those roles find no satisfaction so it sounds to me like you've yeah. tried to move away both for monetary reasons and satisfaction reasons yes. into a, a salesy role which didn't work out you've then moved into insurance and then moved to the other side of the globe yeah. essentially um, yeah. which is a fairly bold move given that 
you know you've got a family and you've got a wife to to, to, yeah. to move across so how did that sort of pan out then once you when you did move to Asia and what sort of countries did you sort of live in yeah it's a it's a it is a great point Giovanni the you know the bold that kind of chasing stuff or running from stuff right which you know kind of which am I doing um and you're right the financial side I got into accounting because that's what people were graduating and getting jobs you know, I didn't do it because I loved accounting because my dad was an accountant. I didn't do it for the wrong reasons in a weird way. I didn't do yeah. it because it was somebody else's idea. It was my idea. And I did it because it was practical. Yeah. But then, like you said, I got in there and I realized, holy cow, what does this career look like? So kind of that, you know, in my second, you know, if I if I spend five, 10 years in this role, who am I going to become in the organization? And I think that was also part of my click was I saw the CFO. And did I want to be the CFO or the head of sales? Yeah. And I was also examining both. And eventually I chose the sales side. I mean, what um, I would say on that as well is that it's it's really important to match personality types with job roles. Like for me, this you is like quite an extroverted guy, you know, you're talkative, yep. you, you can you can speak, you can speak well, and you you're bubbly. Generally, those people in accountancy, and it's not always the case, are more on the introverted side who aren't yeah. don't have those people skills. So it's very important to try and match up, isn't it? The, yeah. the job role with your values and the skill sets. Yes, the and best chance of being. It's a great point. It's a, it's a great point, and I did, and I did that. About, I really looked at the two people reporting to the CEO, and those were the two people the CEO spent a lot of time with: head of sales and the head of finance, um, and HR. And I, you know, thought really, well, looking at the two people and the skill sets they have, and my identifying who I identified more with. And the career path. And you're right. I made it. I think I made and I made the right call. Yeah. And, you know, when I got to Asia. Um, it's a great, great opportunity. Land in Hong Kong. I spent 12 years in Hong Kong uh, working ultimately for a couple of different companies, but traveling in Asia, going around and helping startup distribution for for different um, different partner companies and, and diff different, you know, just different management stuff around insurance and sales. And then ultimately less, you know, still sales, but a lot more management. Yeah. You know, really managing the salespeople, not directly responsible for the activities, but managing the people that did it and and dry and really managing the company at a at a different level. And so, you know, kids, my kids grew up over time and they went back to the States and and did their um did their college thing and they're growing up. I've got I'm a granddad, so I've got that part. So I spent, you know, that that first act in my life was leading me up really to California, you know, and becoming a father and, you know, be, and getting married and that start. And that kind of ends, you know, act one, right. You wake up and you're a heat, you know, you're a parent, you're a person responsible for another person. Yeah. That's kind of like, that's, that's act two. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that's when life changes, isn't it? When you no longer just focus on um, supplying and providing for yourself and yeah. your own urges and desires, but it's, the desires of of someone you're responsible for and yeah. that's where the priorities then change and it changes your perspective and and how you go about your day-to-day -day life doesn't it yeah hopefully you become a different person yeah you know in a, in a good way um and so i spent that you know that that big chunk of my career life and growing up as a person you know in asia it's kind of weirdly i mean a good a good bit of it in california as a as a as a as a guy you know because my daughter was my oldest was 10 by the time we left so, you know, I spent a good chunk of time in, in Asia, um, ultimately got divorced. My wife went back and I started to uh, change countries. So I ended up living in five countries, uh, Hong Kong, 
Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, and India. And so I was able to spend, you know, 20 years uh, and living in five countries, great time. But towards the end of that, you know, that, that corporate life, I was really, I think, like when I was an accountant and thinking about, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? I was having that, you know, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? I yeah. don't want to be, you know, I'm not going to be an insurance guy in Asia. That's, yeah. that's not. And ultimately when I leave the job, no one, the machine is just going to march, you know, Javon, man, the machine just marches right on. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a case of um, regretting um, um, not doing something versus yes. doing something. So like, yeah. for example, if you'd have stayed in that job forever, you would have yeah. got to the end of your life and like, I regret not doing X, Y, and Z. It's better I, doing. Uh, it's worse doing that than it is you changing and, and doing something that you love, and regretting that decision. Because at least you've had the clarity of what happened. What's happened from that decision? Yeah. What kills people is the lack of clarity of what could have happened. Oh, what if I'd have left this job and I'd found a, um, a something I was passionate about and got married? Mm. Whereas, because you're quite a bold person, from what you said, you're willing to make decisions based on what you feel inherently um, yeah. and that's obviously served you well it's great i just had a great conversation with the, um with an individual phil i'm gonna forget his last name absolutely fascinating conversation but it was around change and um becoming you know um he's basically around eq and yeah. and you know emotional intelligence and the the ability to make change and to face the fear and the pain to put it he kind of calls it you know emotional labor yeah to go through the things that are scary and unknown to get to the other side because we know on the other side it's going to be better uh, and I had that inherent kind of trust that that it, you know if I went through these things of unknown I did the unknowns um, that I would come out the other side changed uh but hopefully in a better in a better way so it was that i did that you know i've done that before in my life uh and it and it worked out good yeah sometimes it's a step back two steps back but you know eventually you you are moving forward past yeah. where you probably could have gotten yeah it's, it's, it's like a it's a case of a head versus heart isn't it like a lot of you oh, if you'd have stuck with your head it would have been like well accountant good paying job you know i'm gonna earn some oh. income i'll get a mortgage and all that Versus going with with your heart, which is sometimes you have no understanding of how things are going to work out, but you know it's the yes. right decision to make. Yes, it's it's kind of weird, really, if you think about it. But it always seems to pan out better than the head decisions based on logic uh, and what other people perceive you to be doing or should be doing, essentially. Yeah, because you're 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 feeding your ego, your fear, your ego, right? You know, your fear of the ego. Um, yeah. We just, I was just sharing with, uh, with Phil about, you know, I've got a boss who leads really because he's the smartest person in the room and he always has to be the smartest person in the room. But then very weirdly, he puts other people on a high pedestal okay. being very, sp- and puts himself down Yeah. and other situations. He, so he's always got to have this position where he knows where he fits and he's, he's in that ego phase and it's powerful conversation. Um, when you think about, you know, he's talking about energy and you have to take other people's energy when you're with your victim friends and your victim group, you have to steal energy from each other. Yeah. Uh, and then when you learn to, to live on your own, you lower those walls 
Yeah, there's something called a serotonin transfer as well. That I, I, I it's it's a, it's a bit of a serotonin transfer. This is a really interesting gentleman. I'll shoot you the I'll shoot you his email yeah, that's, that's uh, or his good. his page afterwards. We had an incredible conversation about about this stuff around the ego and the id and and just how it Keep you know the, stuff. He was he's on another plane. Is it? He was on, yeah, it's another great conversation. It, and so some of the things that I've been doing inherently and instinctually for myself are things which have some science based behind it. There's a reason why and the results and what happens. It's science based um, physics, actually, which is super cool. Yeah. When you start thinking about the physics is actually what happens in people. Yeah, it's um, like even the quantum physics um, experiments and research that's coming out now, it shows some of this spiritual aspect that people have been talking about for, for hundreds and thousands of years that is now being proved through the particle slits experiment, the quantum entanglement. Yes. When you zoom into things, it's just energy. There's no physical thing there. And it's just um, thoughts affect things. And that's been proved by a number oh, of yeah. experiments. And it's important that we understand as individuals that we are sort of like atoms moving through space and time. And we 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 know inherently what a better destination is for ourselves. Yeah, he's talking um, about you, the um, the neurons you have in the frontal lobe, the mirror mirror neurons, and allows you to understand when you go into a room, our friend or foe, are they taking energy or stealing energy? Do I need to put my walls up and protect my energy? The other one, um, so there's a mirror neurons is something great for people to Google for fun. Um, the other one that was really interesting, I'd never heard it articulated like this, was our we are actually an energy. We vibrate our own. I didn't realize this. We have our own unique frequency. Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, so it's, a, it's our own fingerprint in a way. It's another fingerprint of individuality. And that our cells, which you, you probably know, our cells die off every seven years. So you're actually not the person you were seven years ago. Physically, you're, you're different. It's different. You're not, you're not even the same. So his articulation was that cells are really just like a visual representation of our energy. Yeah. And that, and that they are our host. They are, the, that your energy is the host. Not yeah. that your spirit has come into a body. But the spirit has attracted a physical form. Yeah, it's like it's and like then, talks about it, doesn't he? He talks about the vibrational states and three, six, nine, and how if you understand the the vibration and and, and non physical plane, you'll understand everything else. And we do change, don't we? We've we change throughout our lives. I've probably changed 15, 20 times if we look yeah. at what we were like as a kid versus to what we are now. And that's yes. from perspectives and things that happen to us, and we see things differently. And what you're saying is that that affects our vibrational energy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that This is a really interesting thing to me is that, you know, the fact that your, your physical form is really wrapped around your energy. And, and I think I've understood it in so many times to be the other way that the, the body is born and the energy comes inside. It's actually not the case. The energy is the thing. Yeah. And the body wraps it is, is basically is infecting the host if you will <laughs> that's wrong words but um the energy is there so it's a side, good side i mean it's a great side conversation and, and relative to kind of what my journey was about which was kind of create recreating myself a few times and getting to the end of that 
Asian career and kind of realizing, do I want to be an insurance guy? You know, am I going to sign on for another five years and then regret being 70 or 75 or whatever? I, you know, if I sign on for five or 10 more years. Yeah. And what does that look like? You know, what, what direction am I going and where, if I imagine myself in that place, what can I do with that? And and I, and I really thought, man, I'm, I'm, I was 50 something. I'm 60 now, 61. So it was really about crafting my new reality for, you know, post work. Yeah. It's it's like, we're, we're like a, 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 um, a, a body carrying around a soul, aren't we? It's a no. It's an energy carrying around a body, an energy carry. Yeah, so a, a body carrying a soul, but you're saying it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Other way I around. always thought it was the body was there and the soul came inside. And I think after today's conversation, I think I totally understand it now. We are an energy created, and the body is just physical representation. And this energy does not die. Right? You cannot kill or create energy. So you can't. Yeah. There's no such thing as creation, in a way of inside the womb. Yeah, energy is already somehow I don't know where it comes from, which is yeah. a really crazy ass question, which really gets I didn't get into the whole conception thing with him, which I'm fascinated to go back and have that conversation. Where does the energy come from and at conception? When is a when is a when is a fetus or the cells? When does that when does our energy frequency actually come in there? Or is it there at the moment? You know what I mean? Wow. Holy cow. This is a whole different idea. Isn't the energy already within the cells? Like your the sperm and the ovum, the the information and energy is already contained within that. Mm. Within now that's an interesting. That's that a third. I didn't think of that. That's a third option. Is that the energy are, is in the cells? Yeah, it's like if you if you plant a, a tree, you plant a tree. What is it? Um, a seed might be a few millimeters wide, mm. and it's a it's a tiny little thing. And out of that grows a hundred meter tree. Mm. It's got information within there, and we're no different. And this is why I think there is something that's created Earth. Because if we think of a house, a car, um, um, a T-shirt, it's obviously created because it has dimensions. It has a um, mm-hmm. a, a a function, etc. And many people are saying, well, actually, no, there's no such thing as a creator, etc. But if we believe that a car is created because it has a physical steering wheel, wheels, chairs, etc., but then the earth and its magnificence and us as humans with ears that listen and eyes that, that see and circulatory systems and, and a brain that has different sections and limbs that isn't created that I just can't understand that logic. <laughs> yeah. It's an accident. Yeah. We're, we just evolve. It's, it's monkeys. As somebody told me one time, Oh, it's just monkeys on a typewriter. If they bang enough code, eventually yeah. they'll come up with, you'll come up with this. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, <laughs> if you've ever seen anybody write code, that's not how it works. Yeah. It's like DNA is a code. Yes. Yeah. DNA is a code. It is a code. Yeah. So, so this inherent codes that are built into to the system um, that I think show like evidence of, of, of something. But so, so you've then gone from, from, from Asia and what you decided to, to, to change, to change scenery there. Yeah. And I did it. I mean, it wasn't so, um, it was a little more convoluted, you know, I was at that, that uh, long time ago, I was thinking about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do and how to get out, how to get back. And I had this idea of being a speaker, a public speaker, kind of an interesting, okay, fun, cool idea. I could do that. I do it at my work. It'd be easy transition. And then, you know, I find out you got to write a book. Oh shit. I'll <laughs> 
gosh. So I made some half-assed attempt to write some books. And then I wrote the wrong books for being a public speaker. You know, I had the wrong title, Dear God. You know, and, and I call it the wrong title because you're either going to speak to churches and then that's it. But if you use a book, Dear God, it's kind of hard to get into corporate and the places where I'm kind of more 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 relevant, if you yeah. will. I think the thing the thing with the word God is that, that it's it's got so many kind of sub connotations nowadays, both positive and negative. Oh, if someone says yeah. God, it means oh you're super religious, you're you know you're this sort uh, of absolutely. Freak. And then on the flip side, for those um, atheists, it's just a, a, a an invisible nothingness. So oh yeah. What, yeah, what people are trying to use now is is like source energy and in, in the uh, universe and yeah yeah change uh, words creator and and uh, energy and all this sort of stuff. But it basically they're all synonymous words in in in, in essence. But the, the 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 word God has got so many connotations that as you said it either turns someone on or, yeah. or turns them off, doesn't well, it? Yeah, and and the turn on part is going to be what's well, you know what is it fifty if it's fifty percent, and then if you get into the court, you know get into corporate life it's a little bit more narrow right because people put their they'll they'll put their guards up to not get um, put into any spe- any controversial space so anyway so i started writing a book and and that was part of it and i picked up guitar i did another unintentional intentional thing so writing was intentional i picked up guitar started playing guitar that was an intentional thing and i didn't know where it would lead and it wouldn't lead anywhere profitable or anywhere that made sense you know it just it was a thing to do but it was, it was these, these acts of doing things that were different than what I did, that had some pain involved, um, that were intentional, and that had had potential to have outcomes I couldn't see. Right? They would drive activity, a kind of an activity thing. Yeah. And ultimately, they all kind of came together, which is the weird part. I kept writing, kept picked up guitar, but guitar led me to write songs. And in the songwriting, I stole words from my first book draft. Okay. So it was like a cheating. It was like a cheat, right? Like my yeah. my teacher was like, we should write a song. We should write a song. And I'm like, you know, fine. okay, out of the blue. How am I going to write a song out of the blue? You know, I need something. And I was like, oh, I have these books. So I went to the book and highlighted sentences that could become uh, verses. Yeah. And then make up a chorus. And so we highlighted out of my first like literally had the song, the words, 90% of it was done on a Sunday afternoon in an hour. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is cool. I should do more. And then very quickly, I ran out of words that I had written from a couple of years before. So I had to start writing the book to steal more words for my songs. Yeah, okay. So you're doing so about two projects, basically, that were one project in, in essence. Yeah, and I couldn't. I couldn't fathom how to write a song yet. I didn't know how to write a song. I could use words I had and assemble. I could assemble a song from keywords, key phrases, but I couldn't create a song. And so I used, so I used that, like you said, I ended up doing two projects. And ultimately what happened was the book won. And the book really, the guitar and the writing led me down the road of completing the book. And the book had enough structure to it uh, that it gave me a lot of, you know, my ideas started to really grow. I mean, like into the process of writing, my brain really lit on fire. And somewhere in there, I came up with the idea to do a podcast. And somewhere in there, I came up with the idea to make the questions from the from the book and to kind of have this fixed format. 
And um, so I've ended up with a show where I'm not an interviewer. I, I knew that was going to be my weak. You know, one weakness was I was not a good interviewer. And I, I was a good listener, I thought, but not great. But I would be a and I would never be able to ask the questions of people like the smart questions and listening and, and stuff. So anyway, I came up with the idea, use, use the ideas in the book to create the questions and then allow people to sit down and to go through the questions um, in the book, really. And the powerful, I think the powerful part that I, I realized the idea of being powerful was that the questions were going to be very heavy. There was nothing. The book is a very heavy book as far as like, you know, thinking and, and humanity. And how can I ask these questions directly with people or how can I ask them if they don't know the book? And so the idea of pre-printing the questions, of making the questions up myself and letting them pick the question. So if I give you, Javon, if I give you, if I ask you the question, you know, yeah. you could be, you don't, if, if we don't know each other very well, I can't ask you a hard question first, right? I can't ask you, you know, I can talk about what's your favorite color and, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of people do you like or don't like, but I can't ask you, you know, what's the difference between faith and trust? You know, yeah. uh, when was the last time somebody said, I love you? Yeah. You know, these kinds of, these kind of conversations. So those are the questions in the jar and they get really heavy, really fast. But it's okay. it's okay because it's their question. Yeah, I think um, you know how you said it's it's not okay to ask someone deep questions. I think that comes from like a social element, doesn't it? That you yeah. have small talk first. You know, you ask yes. their name, you ask a bit about what they are or who they sort of portray themselves as, and then you can go a little bit deeper into yeah. relationships, etc. By bit um, by bit. But, but I'm a little bit like from what you said similar to you in, in some respects that sometimes going straight into these deep questions is better than finding out the name of their dog or what they do for a living or, you know, where they went on holiday last month, because it's a much more deep connection. So yes. if we talk about the book first, because it sounds like yeah. the, the, the music, the books and the show have some sort of linkage between them. Yeah. If we talk about the book first and then we'll talk about the, the show yeah. and, and maybe yes. we'll go through a question as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, brave through. See if we can brave through, brave you through. So I, I love. I mean, I love talking about the construct of the book, honestly, um, because I do. I still, you know, I just I love the articulation of it, and I kind of love where it ended up. Um, so there's four parts. So it's called Dear God, and it's letters to God, and so there's just twelve. There's literally only twelve topics, uh, but on each topic, I'm kind of writing a letter to God, like Dear God, what is love? Is, is how it's it's a letter to God, right? Dear yeah. God, what you know, what's love? And it's and it's me testing my theories or exchanging ideas in a conversation with God in a way. And so the first, the first, there's four part, four books: the book of self, the book of others, the book of all, the book of you. Okay. The book of self is yesterdays, today's, and tomorrow's. Your past, your present, your future. Okay. And I call that the battlefield of your mind. That's why it's called the book of self. It's really, you know, and those are, that's a, these are, these are things I think you need to be a good, you know, to have your, to understand that self-talk and to know how you look at your past, how you look at the future, how you, what you think about today. And man, that's a lot of people spend, you know, that's psychology. This is everything inside there. What's in, in between that, in that noodle. What what sort and, of questions would be in that first of the four books within the book? Then? Yeah. So, you know, your, your yesterday's really is, is, 
how do you look at your past, right? So it's, you know, dear God, what is, you know, what is yesterday? Right? Is it, yeah. is it, does it matter? Um, is it really what I think it is? Or is it what I imagine it to have been? Right. And and how do I, you know, how do I control those thoughts? Like it's my past, right? It is my past. So at the end of the conclusion is it's my past. And it doesn't have really, as far as who I am in my own self-conversation, it's not that significant. And yeah. I shouldn't let you know, basically, you shouldn't let your past control you. It, and it's not a reflection of who you're gonna be. Yeah, it's it's about extrapolating the right things from it, though, isn't it, in some respects. Yeah, and I'm trying to, and it really is a conversation with God saying, you know, is this correct? Like in, in a positive way, I'm trying to like get yeah. my head around the right way. I'm trying to find the right way to look at my yesterdays. Okay. And and that's the the idea behind all of these. And so the next book, Book of Others, is kind of like between you and another person. Okay. Um, it's a good skill set. And, and so those are acceptance, forgiveness, and compassion. And I think if you have those skill sets down really well, then you'll be a good human. You know, and compassion is really fun because, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, it's like walking by, if you see somebody on the street and you give them 10 cents, is that compassion? You know, so it's a conversation around what is okay. compassion? Yeah, yeah. Really? How do you define what is it? Them? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, is that really compassion? Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. You know, is that yeah. really compassion? Yeah. Um, and so acceptance, what is acceptance? And I think today in today's environment, it's a powerful conversation. You know, I don't have to agree, agree and condone and acceptance are different things. Yeah. You know, I can accept who you are. I can accept your belief system. I can accept how you've gotten there. I can appreciate that. I can have, I can have empathy for you. I can, but I may not agree, Yeah. but I can accept. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a powerful difference. You know, I don't agree with everybody and I don't agree with everybody's views on life, but I can, I can appreciate how people got to where they are. Yeah, definitely. Words are very important because the, the, the using a different word can give you a whole different perspective on something, can't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Powerfully, powerfully. So those are good tool sets for between two people. And then they kind of got the humanity approach. Uh, when you get to the level of humanity, I picked up, um, love it's all about love really yeah. at the end um yeah. karma yeah you know treating you know so good love and treating people like you want to be treated and service yeah you know being in some service to humanity to your fellow man uh on this while you're on this planet you know what what are you doing for other people yeah um and and not just familia but uh you know but outside your family and then the last one is a book of god or book of you i call it you and, you know, where, wherever you're at on that spiritual verbiage spectrum, you know, is it, you know, no God or, or you, you know, hundred percent believe in God and, you know, do you believe in, or is it, is it uh, determinism. a universe or intelligent design? So somewhere you're on that, that spectrum of spirituality, somewhere on that spectrum of spirituality, zero to a hundred, you know, I think the closer you are to a hundred, I think the more power you can get out of things like faith, hope and prayer. So those are the last three letters, you know, and I think we talk about faith and trust, right? Yeah. And I think for sure, I mean, faith can be a lot of things not spiritual. Um, but when you add the spiritual aspect to it, it's way more powerful uh, for people as a tool in life. Um, and I think hope, you know, I think without any spirituality, I don't think you have 
I think hope is a way, way different term between spiritual people and non-spiritual people. Yeah. And think, and where you're yeah. yeah. I think I think it's um it's quite a, a dichotomy. Like many people who are in the corporate world believe that that's the only real world, the corporate world, the buildings, the finance. Yeah. And that this other spiritual stuff is not real and non-existent. But yes. like, all the constructs that you're talking about are all man-made constructs. <laughs> Absolutely. What we're trying to establish is the stuff that was there before we built anything and, and yes. the rules and the way of thinking and, and the philosophies behind behind that. So, so yeah, there's a lot of people with a lot of, with, with sort of the, you know, the horse blinkers where they can't see. Yeah, yeah. To the side on. Um, and it's about maybe trying to pose questions like you're, what you're doing with with your book. Pose questions in a way that gets people to not get given the answers, but to think in a way that's going to say, well, actually, yeah, does, how does that work? Yeah, what, what would that mean for me personally? And then start to um, yeah. self-actualize and ask themselves introspective questions. I, and I think hope is one of those great ones, right? Because it's not really religious. Yeah. Now, faith faith is a more charged word. Yeah, it is. Uh, faith faith is a bit like the God word, right? It's a bit charged, um, but I also I but I think it's it's also a great it's a great one to you you explore those two chapters in my book, and I think you do you do you are a little bit like hmm, I do a little bit introspective here, you know, where am I on that on that spectrum? So I ended up with this, you know, took a while, and and I think the construct of the book came out really cool. I mean, I like the idea that it's got you know, this part of self and others and, um, and in humanity and, and the, the skills you might need to kind of grind through life. Um, you know, and then I, then it was weird. I ended up I, with the idea to write questions from the book. I, this part, I have no, Javine, I got no recollection how some of this stuff happened. I, some of it is by my design, the actions and the energy is mine, the outcome. And sometimes the ideas were a bit, it's foggy for me. I'm, I'm, you know, I like yeah. to now, I like to laugh and kind of say, now I wrote this book called Dear God, asked a lot of questions and with a sense of humor, God has sent me on this mission to go talk to 444 people to find my own answers. To, to be fair, like I, I, I'm, uh, well, I'm <laughs> writing a book about questions at the moment as well. That's a question today that you ask yourself. So where do I want to be in three to five years? What traits do I like about my friends? What Ooh, compliments do I love? Oh, all, all those sorts of things. And it's a question a day that you're going to write the answer to, to help you self-reflect. You know, oh, what great. career would I do if money wasn't an issue? All those sorts oh. of things. Because I'm a massive believer in questions. The right, oh, I love it. Get the right answers. And then what you've just said is, is another thing, is that where do we get ideas from? Do we actually create ideas or are yes. we in a good vibrational state, as you said, to pick up ideas that are sort of floating around? Yeah. Because we, I don't know if you've had this, but I've had this many times where I've been thinking of an idea, a business idea or some other sort of idea. And then a week later, you see someone start that business. Is that idea floating around and we're like oh. picking that up? Oh. <laughs> yeah. you're trying to throw your what you're trying to cast yeah. Yeah, really. out some lines and pull some ideas in to be yeah. only mine yeah. before someone else gets it yeah and it's how we act as you said about acts of service are we then using that ideas to serve others or 
are we actually creating these ideas from from within our own within okay, our own brain? Your own, your own energy is creating yeah. it. So it's um it's a difficult conversation. It's much like the free will versus determinism. Do we create ideas or or, or are they given to us? But you've you've written the book then, and then you've started to create these questions. Yeah. To, to start your podcast, and I think um that your podcast is very unique in its setup. Yeah, uh, do you just want to explain sure. how it's so unique in terms of the jar and, and all that comes with that? Yeah. So I think a couple of things that make it, I mean, first off, I don't, there's not many traveling shows. Um, the, so a lot of podcasts are, are typically in a city uh, or remote. Um, so it's, there's two things. One is it's traveling. So I'm moving across the country. The other one is it's face to face. So that's another dynamic. Uh, that's quite interesting, I think. So it you know puts it into, I'm into a small group of of shows, yeah. Instantly with those two features, the pre the the parts that I thought would make it successful were, were you know, like maybe any show, which is the concept, the questions, the host, and the guests, right? Getting the yeah. right guests on obviously is important, um. But it's also how you use the guest, right? The guest, and it's not just the guest you pick because they're famous. It's the it's the guest. So just leave it as the guest, right? And then yeah. what you do with that raw material is dependent upon the host being a really good host. So it's like, okay, I got to be really good at my job. We got to find decent humans to talk to. I've got this really cool construct, which is people choose their own question, which is also very different. And pre-printed questions is different. So this idea that the concept is, it's a pre-printed question. There's 444. It's fixed. Now, every jar is a fresh 444. I shuffle them up, change them out. You got a fresh set. And so people, you know, this is, if, if anybody yeah, listening, I, I commissioned four jars. So I, I had an artist, a glass artist, make four jars. And they're big, substantial. I mean, it's it's heavy. That thing's like, it's, it's got to be a four or five kilos, um, thick glass. And so um, the idea is that people pick their own questions. So we sit down, we have a little pre-chat. I get to know people, often in their home, quite often in their home. So that's another weird thing. The podcaster comes yeah. to you. Um, and we sit down at the table, we set up the mics, and we put the jar down between us. And it's facing the client. You know, it's facing the guest and it's, it gets wild almost. I'd say about half the time people, I call it Insta regret and, and, it, and it's kind of a joke, but they pull the first question and they're like, Oh, okay. Like, Whoa, it's going to be an hour of this. Yep. It's an hour of this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's good though. Cause I think, um, Obviously, you've, as you said, you've got a few unique parts, haven't you? The questions, the fact that yeah. you you travel around, and um, and maybe something we've not spoken about is the fact that you now um, are in like a, a camper van or something similar. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. you travel around to different in a states, giant delivery cities, vehicle, um, staying in hotels where appropriate as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and you're on your own little adventure. So I'm on my own. The, Searching for, for for cool areas, searching for cool guests, yes. searching for answers to these questions as well. So, yeah, very like not to not to use the word envious lightly, but you know, it's a very envious position for a lot of people, isn't it? That you you, you yes. have total freedom. 
Yeah, pe- it is one thing people do off, and sometimes I'm, I'd say I'm ig- I'm ignorant to it in a way because I'm in it, and yeah. I never I never thought of it being something people would aspire to do. But uh, so many people, podcasters, even the other day I was on a show and somebody's like, "Oh man, you know when this is happening and that happening, I've been telling my team I want to get on the road, you know." So they interview me and they talk and they're like, "Oh, you're doing what I want to do." Um, but when, when you're it, in the game, you can't all see the game. I cannot see the game. So it's like, and it's one of the questions I've got in my book, actually. It's like, well, based on your sort of um, uh, speed of life, let's say, haste of life and and running on the hamster wheel, what are you missing? So if you Mm. were one of your friends or family members, what would you you see that you're maybe not seeing with your blinkers on? And it's it's good to look at things at different levels like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's been good this month. I've done a lot of, I've done quite a few. I mean, for the from April until December, I was only doing the show. I was so focused. I was like a hamster on the wheel, man. I was grinding. I was like, I was a dog with a bone. I was chewing this thing. I'd planning for, you know, two, three years. And I was just, I was just eating it up. I was just going, going, going. And man, I pulled out in December and I, you know, took a break. It took me a few weeks to kind of just, reflect on what i had done i was still a little bit i'd say a little bit fried i did i went a little bit too crazy but at least it's Um, hamster wheel it's not you've not been thrown on this wheel by the corporate machine (laughs) and and, and said and and been told to to run you pass out um and you have an hour an hour break and a sleep pattern right right you you have built your own wheel i absolutely because you enjoy the wheel so much, you ended up running probably a little bit faster and longer than you than you should have done. But again, that's what I'm all about and reflecting and saying, well, actually, this is good up until a point. What do I need to change and and, and adjust the sale moving yeah. forward? Yeah, it's totally exactly what happened. You know, I just I didn't I built this I built my own hamster wheel and I loved I love the design and I built it like I was a corporate guy back in my corporate days. So it's kind of like I designed it for a corporate, you know, my normal, my normal speed. Um, but it's been great sharing this last month. I've been sharing with a lot of people like yourself and your audience, uh, what I've been doing, because now I have a story, you know, I had an idea 12 months ago and nobody really wants to hear about your idea, but you know, if you do something, if you do actually f- grind it out and do something interesting, people want to hear it. It's funny about the 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 burnout. I was talking to my daughter this morning. So my I'm lucky I work with my daughter. And we had a team, we had a team meeting this morning. And um, and I was describing what we were gonna do going forward. And she said, No, no, man, you need a you need a rest day. And I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, last time I didn't, you know, I didn't really use a rest day. She's like, No, I, you'll burn out. Don't do that. So as my own daughter was kind of looking at me going, Pops. Don't don't do that. You're gonna you're gonna kill yourself. And so it's good to have at least somebody with the recognition to look at me and go, yeah, you shouldn't do it like that. That's too that's too crazy. Um, so yeah. at least I have somebody looking out for me. But it's always nice to have, as you said, as we said just a minute ago, that sometimes when you're in in the game, others can see different angles for you. Yeah. And, and you also mentioned the the imagination and and you thinking about this life that you've now created. I think there's an Einstein quote, isn't there that uh, it's like uh, vision. Imagination is the key to life's coming attractions, or something along those lines. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, he's got his quotes are so good. Because you've got one that you really like as well, don't you? I think. Yeah, that, that's another one. Yeah, so I was sharing the one with you last time. Um, you either believe in this life, right? You either believe everything is a miracle, 
or nothing. Yeah. And I like, whoa, that's if you think about it from an Einstein level, yeah, and what he saw. Uh, and for him, it was on, he wasn't creating anything. He was just unraveling miracles, discovering stuff. Discover, he was unraveling miracles. Yeah. Like they were there. He's discovering them, but he's discovering kind of how they work so he could replicate them or make them. I don't, fascinating. But I love that one too. Holy cow. Imagination. I'm, I'm, I'm one for quotes. Um, yeah. And questions. Key, yeah. Imagine is the key to life's coming attractions. So when you think of something, it's because of that you can achieve that thing. Like I would never dream about um, becoming a professional swimmer. It wouldn't. It wouldn't really come into my mindset. But I've got my own, you know, niche things that you know we dream right. about, and and because that's achievable for us. So I'm yeah. a believer believer in that. So your podcast then. So if you were to pick a a question out the the jar now. Hmm. See an example of what one of those questions would look yeah. like. Maybe we can have a chat about it. Yeah, let's go through. Let's, uh, let's pull out a question. I hope we don't get a weak one. I hope it's something, you know, strong. Well, to, well, to be fair, we're, we're not going to have the hour to talk about it like on your show anyway, so maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> okay. How well do you think you know other people? That's an interesting one. Because it's a there's some depth to the question, depends yeah. on where you take it. Yeah. This is this is where you take a minute to actually think about what the question really means. How well do you really know other people? Do you really know other people? And you know, one of the interesting things when I wrote the questions, um I was quite intentional. Every I mean, every question, some flew, you know, some came off easier. I don't remember writing all the questions. I mean, a lot of the questions I don't really even remember. Um, but the part that surprised me, Javon, was everybody has their own interpretation of the question. Yeah. I I knew people would answer it based on their life experience. But the part that I didn't get was the variation on the actual quite like what it meant to different people. And like you're right. You take this question, you pause, you think about it, and it's going to mean something to you. Yeah. So for me, I've already thought of a few things. Yeah. The first thing I would think of is, well, how well do I know myself is the first starting point. If, if I don't know myself 100%, and let's say I know myself 72%, let's just put a number yeah, yeah. out there. What's the chance of me knowing someone else at least to that level? It's probably or, or be half, maybe half of that level would Even be a good, a good guess. Because even, you know, our conversation, you're really seeing parts of me that I want you to see and yes. vice versa. Oh, you yeah. You have to be a fly on the wall, maybe to see what people's true habits are. You then go a, a, a level deeper and say, well, how well do you really know other people? Is that a generic thing, maybe? Because there's been psychological experiments done and we go to, um, um, what's it called? The the, the war, um, uh what what's the um area called in Krakow? Where oh, they, I don't know that. Um, where they where they um obviously mass murder the Jews, genocide. Oh oh yeah oh um yeah German well in Germany yeah, what was it called um, Auschwitz usually Auschwitz, Auschwitz yeah. yeah so if people are capable of that how what about the people that you surround yourself <laughs> with if if you know because they are individuals as well and there's there's been studies done like Milgram study um in nineteen sixties where 
The people in white coats told other individuals to electric shock people in the next room. And just because it was a guy in a white coat, they went through and electrocuted the person next yeah. door. Now there wasn't anyone next door, but um they but it was it was trying to work out if people did bad things based on authority. So I think oh, there's just so through... many layers to that question. Yeah, we just went through I mean, hello my friend. Have you not seen COVID? Maskers, yeah. not oh. anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers. Yeah. The things that were said about people who did not want to get the vaccine, shocking. Yeah. I mean, even even a lot of government officials with very shocking things to say about people who had not taken the vaccine. I mean, we're like, we are a nanosecond from an Auschwitz. Like yeah. people will literally line up and burn other humans because someone told them they're bad or dirty. Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy because you don't even know yourself or others until yeah. you're put in a situation. Like if you were in um, a, a, a tiger's den, how would mm. you behave? If you if you're you left a friend with your girlfriend, how would they behave? If you, <laughs> if you had no money, how would you behave? Because would you go out and steal? Would you be um, mm. a beggar? Would you actually oh. use that just uh, use that in a way to? Um, to motivate yourself to work harder. So I think yeah. it's, it's when you get put in certain situations, character traits come out. So how well do you really know other people? Surely it would depend on what situations you've seen them in. Okay. Okay. I like that. That's a great, great conclusion. It would depend on how many different situations you've seen them and the stress of different and the stress of those different to show the real person. Yeah, because you might have seen them on a night out having a few drinks with you, and they seem like a really nice, bubbly person. But then when they're at home, they're depressed, and you know they work at Burger King, and they don't have no money, and they live at home with their mom, and they've never had a girlfriend or whatever. You don't know yeah. really what's going through people's minds. Um, and if we all spoke our mind 100% of the time, that wouldn't be a good thing either. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think we're <laughs> unless everybody did it all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, where can people find your your book and 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 connect? Yeah. On, in terms of your show, because I think from from obviously the conversation we've had so far, I'm sure there's a everyone who's listened is interested in in both of those. Yeah, you can find more about what I'm doing in the show, uh, myself, uh, the po- especially the podcast where we're traveling to how to find the book uh, at the jar live. So it's the main website, www.thejar.live. Okay. Um, and just go there. You know, that's the best place to go. Um, I think uh, if people wait, you know, I, I would hate to say wait, but if you wait about another 24 hours, um, just you know, put a little reminder in, uh, it'll take me maybe, maybe 24, maybe 36. Uh, I will have, when you go to the website and you register, put your email in, I'll be able to get you a link back to the first part of my book. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so we'll leave the notes in the description. Yeah, yeah when do you, when does this go live? When does this go live? Uh, probably in the next 24 hours or so. Okay, okay. But we can also update, you, me... you know, we can go live and then you can update the, the notes and stuff. And so update them. Okay, yeah, great. Update all the information. Um, yeah. But yeah, so just before we sign off, one final question. So where yeah. are you at the moment in terms hmm. of you're obviously traveling around and where are you going to next? Yeah, so I'm in I'm in uh, the east coast of the United States uh, in Georgia, state of Georgia, right near Florida, and um, so I'm gonna I'm headed over to 
I'm going to Atlanta. Got a four, so on the 22nd, I restart. Uh, 22nd, I go to Atlanta. Then I go to Charleston, Savannah, Jacksonville, all the way down to Tampa, Florida, down there, almost not at the bottom, but but most of the way down Florida. And then I start my journey back up and along the we- to the west. Like so really I've got about 50, si- 50 cities to go. Man, you've got the dream life, mate, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Any final well, comments, Ken? I'm sorry? Any final comments before we sign off? Look, I think, you know, for the audience, one is thank Javon, thanks for the time, man. I really appreciate it. It's great talking to you again, you know, yeah. and, I, and uh, I, I I love it. Um, and I think just to, you know, I steal, I'm stealing my, the summary of all the people that I've had so far. So I've had 200 guests and there's really three things I'm trying to articulate uh, better and better each time. Uh, the first one is no matter what you're going through in life, if you're in a tough spot, you're in a tough place this shall pass, right? I mean, this too shall pass. And this too shall pass though, is also for good times. Yeah. So if you're riding, you know, riding high and things are going great, breathe it in, enjoy it, lay down and appreciate it. uh, Because this too shall pass, right? We're we're ups and downs, man. Good times and bad times. So if you're in a bad time, don't worry, ride it out. Keep, keep grinding. Um, The other one is you're good enough just like you are, you're good enough as a person, a human, and don't let anybody tell you you're not good enough. Don't, you know, that's just bullshit. Um, you know, and who you are is inside you. You're good enough. Well, you may not be fully polished or evolved, um, but everything you need is there. Um, you, you'll, you know, you're, you're okay. Don't worry. You're, you are good enough. And, and I've seen it through, and that's not me saying it's people who have been through the shit storm have told me this, right, about what they're looking back and coming through it. And the other one is if you're in a dark place, a little bit different than, you know, the other one, you're not alone. So, I, you know, my analogy right now is if you're in a dark place, you're in a dark room, reach your hands out to somebody next to you in the darkness yeah. that also needs a hand to hold. So, you know, you're not alone. You're not going through this alone, man. There's a shit ton. And especially now, I think we're in a tough spot um, in society and civilization where there's a lot of depression, a lot of mental health issues. So reach out early and often. Um, There's so much good tech out there, so many good ways to find find help. Um, And if you need anything, you know, if you're in the U.S. and you're listening, you know, 988 is a suicide hotline. You can talk to somebody, text somebody um, right away. Great advice. Great advice, Ken. Thanks, Javine. Well, thanks thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for being on the show, man. It's, you've been a great guest. Um, love talking with you. We had a, a blast off air as well. A yeah. Of um, yeah, already. Yeah. Look forward to uh, checking out your, your bits as well. Yeah. Stay in touch, Javine. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Cheers.